Back Porching Podcast is brought to you in part by Legacy Now. Legacy Now is a ministry I lead that exists to serve those that serve others, primarily in the student ministry space. If I can serve you or for more information about my ministry or to connect with me on social media, you can find more information at LegacyNow.me. That's LegacyNow.me. Hey, welcome to this edition of the Back Porching Podcast. In this episode, I get a chance to spend some time on the porch with my friend Patrick Casey. Patrick's currently the creative arts pastor at Stone Creek Church in Milton, Georgia, and I've had the chance to spend a lot of time with him on the porch over the years. He actually was in a small group I led when he was in high school. We'll talk about that a little bit. But I've had the honor of spending a lot of time with Patrick and walking through a whole lot of life with him. And he's just an incredible young leader. He's got a lot of really cool things to say about church, about culture, about leadership, and about growth. And the cool thing for me about Patrick is this isn't talk. I've seen him live it. It's very real, very true. It's very deep and convicted for him. For him. And it's just he's an incredible young man, an incredible man of faith. I say young man. He's in his late 20s now. But uh, I think you're really going to enjoy spending a little time with Patrick. So enjoy this episode of the Back Porching Podcast. Hey, welcome back to the Back Porching Podcast. Uh, really excited about this episode. Get to hang out with a really good friend, and I'm, I think you're going to love spending a little bit of time with him. It's my buddy Patrick Casey. I met Patrick when he was a sophomore yeah, in high like school. We'll get into that story, I'm sure. <laughs> and Patrick is now a, a grown-up man with a wife and a baby on the way and yeah. full-time job and all kinds of cool stuff. So, uh, Patrick, say hey to the people. Hey to the people. Uh, man, share a little bit of your story. If someone's never met Patrick Casey before, share the Patrick Casey story. Sure. I'll try to make it short and condensed. Uh, Grandpa was a pastor at a church kind of up the road here in Milton. Um, and so uh, kind of grew up in the Milton Alfreda area. Uh, grew up at a Baptist church until I was in middle school. Um, honestly, uh, travel baseball was a thing that I spent my weekends doing mostly. Uh, wasn't actually in church. Didn't really care for it. I was a restless little... A uh, little kid in the back running up and down the pews <laughs> when the preacher was preaching and that whole thing. You um, said pew. Well, I said pew because it was a real thing. Pew was a real <laughs> thing. Um, and in the process of that, I mean, like, we ended up landing at North Point kind of middle to end of um, my middle school years. Uh, but it wasn't until high school that I really started coming to church. Um, ended up going to the walk, uh, which is North Point's high school retreat. Um, and came to Jesus going into my sophomore year. And, uh, yeah, man, from there, things just started changing for me. Uh, life looked different. Kind of outlook on life seemed different. Had no clue what I really wanted to do. Um, and through just kind of this love for music and me finding out that I had a passion through that, um, landed leading worship at a church here in Milton. Um, right up near Wonder Parkway called Stone Creek. Um, started doing that. Actually ended up working alongside of you for about a year mm-hmm. and a half when you were an interim student guy up there. And... Uh, did that a couple jobs later, get a call back to uh, be the worship pastor at Stone Creek. And uh, in the midst of all of that, ended up meeting my wife, who I had known uh, middle school, eight, uh, eighth grade or so. Uh, we're really good friends in high school, started dating in college, and got married in 2016. So we been married for three and a half years. She is 25 weeks pregnant on Friday, which is wild. Wow. And expecting our little boy, Sawyer Gray. In uh, the end of January next year. You're going to be? That's my neighbor's dog, by the way. That is your neighbor's dog. You're going to be a dad. That's awesome. He was hooting and hollering about Sawyer. I appreciate that. 
So you didn't technically date in high school, did you? We did not. See, I always tell the story because of my 27 years of leading small groups, there's only a couple people who are married who dated in high school. Mm-hmm. And you're like on the line. Like on the line. We tried dating the summer going in to college. I remember that. Yeah. So Brent was going to UGA. I was staying close going to Kennesaw. And we tried to date. She wasn't fully ready to date me yet. But I kept pursuing it in some way we, or another. We should quickly, it. before we get into other stuff, give yes. Brent's stuff a plug. Because it's amazing. Oh, sure. Yeah. So... If you don't know who I am or who my wife is, uh, my wife is an incredibly talented artist um, who uh, does that full-time for a living, which is totally breaks the stereotype, and um, incredibly, incredibly talented, incredibly gifted, um, super humble, um, would hate that we're doing this. She's going to yes. get pissed when she finds out that we did this. <laughs> um, but follow her, BrynWKC.com. Um, it's her website. Um, she has ocean landscape paintings on acrylic on canvas and uh, brynwkc.art, I think, is her Instagram. Something like that. You'll find her. She's got, like... I love how you support her. It's been fun watching you <clears throat> champion her Thanks, to chase man. that. It's been fun. It's been cool, man. We've been so I met Patrick. So after that summer, when you went to summer camp, I was leading a group of dudes, and they invited you to come into that small group. They did. So got to spend the last three years of high school with you, and then we've... Spent a lot of time together since then. Yeah. Post high school, yeah, we have had quite a few nights here on the porch. There, that I, under, I, understatement. I, yes, I don't even know the number of that. A lot, and we've talked about all kinds of things, man. We've mm-hmm. been even pre-wedding yeah. to now you're married and have a kid coming to yeah. a couple of the churches you've worked at along the way. A we worked of, together for a season, like you said. A lot of life. Yeah, man. Gosh, I'm so grateful for all of it. And so I just thought tonight. Um, I just wanted to, to jump into some of this stuff because you and I, man, we have had the best conversations about church world and life and leadership and culture. And so I just thought, man, I love the perspective you have and the journey you've been on and the journey you are on. And you're a learner. You know that you're not always there, which is cool. Yeah. You're also a uh, thinker. You're always thinking about what's next. And to a fault. Yes. This is an understatement. <laughs> Yeah, Patrick's always the idea if you say what are you thinking about there's always the next idea I, I was yeah. thinking about that one's cool but what about this one yes <laughs> yes yeah when we were together doing student stuff I'd be like can we make Sunday happen and Patrick's like hey what if the stage wasn't like what do we have screens for Sunday <laughs> a little bit too in my head sometimes yeah I love that that's yeah. how God made you though man it's awesome well <laughs> hey to get started we've talked a ton back here on the porch yeah. about culture Mm-hmm. And church and culture is such a word that's overused, but I think it's a powerful word. And you've had, just to be frank, you've had some really great experiences working in churches. You've had some um, challenging <laughs> yes. opportunities and Good some word. challenging leaders that sure. you've worked with that yeah. were created some interesting opportunities for yeah. you to figure out how to handle things. Sure. Was that politically correct enough? Sure. Thanks. Yeah. Leadership. Thank you. Some or sometimes like thereof. But um, Yeah. What, what is you kind of sit today and you're in a place where you have a really awesome church you work at, a really healthy culture, um, as you even look back a little bit on the journey of the last, gosh, almost 10 years now, right? Yeah, almost, yeah, um, close to it. What, what was your, your first take on, what do you think, what, do you, what have you learned about culture and churches and leadership in general? Yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> there's, a, there's a saying that I live by a lot of times is that the the best person to take a look at your room, your culture, um, your staff, your whatever it may be, is the last person to walk in the door. 
Because uh, they're, they're the people with the freshest eyes. The people who can see things that maybe you've become accustomed to. Um, and I think a lot of times when you work at a place or you're um, committed to the vision of a place, um, and I did that with air quotes, committed to a vision of a place where you believe in what they're doing, but maybe not how they're doing it, or um, whatever, whatever that may look like, there's a level of um, commitment you feel like you have to keep going back to. Um, where it doesn't feel like your voice needs to be heard, it just needs to be done, whatever the thing has to be done. Um, and sometimes it's not until you get outside perspective that you realize how messed up or how challenging certain things are. Um, and so like, I can think back to a couple, like you mentioned, that I've, I've had the pleasure and unfortunate circumstance to work at a couple places that had great leadership and some that did not. Um, but I think there's just a level of when you start having conversations with people um, and the way that the church culture is affecting your own life in a negative way is probably one of the bigger influences. And we can talk boundaries and all these like agreements you make between like the job you do and the passions that you have and all that kind of stuff. But I think there's a level of, um, of impact that a church culture has on you from a staff and what that leadership does and what the church as a whole does. And honestly, it hasn't been until, um, I've gotten to a place where I feel like I'm, I'm, sitting inside in a leadership position right now at a church that has a really healthy staff culture. And that healthy staff culture is what is bringing health to the culture of the church. Mm. And, um, you know, like we have, we have these like four values that we truly believe in, um, as a staff, um, that really drastically shapes the way that we use our weeks, the way that we interact with the people who, um, are in our ministries, uh, respectively, the, the way that we give our own gift, um, and in the way that we spend time with the Lord prepping for what we're doing. Um, and, man, culture's a, a funny thing. Yeah. Culture's are like a moving target. It's like you can talk about culture in so many different ways, and there's so many prongs and avenues that you can take when you talk about it. But ultimately, man, I think there's just a level of, um, of the way that the culture of the church impacts you that can be one of the biggest determinant factors of how you feel like your position in that place matters hmm. you said something i don't know if you remember this or not this was a long time ago now mm-hmm. you were in a place i think you were almost about to get married maybe sure and you made a comment about a situation you're in a job maybe it was before that it was a season right before you got married where you're like i don't want to bring this home every day oh yeah I, do you remember that conversation? For sure. We've had somebody back here. It's hard to remember one. <laughs> but you were, you were like really convicted. You are like, man, I don't want to be bringing that home to Brent every night. Yeah. What I'm having to navigate eight yeah. hours a day at the office. Truly, yeah. That, um, And you were really <clears throat> convicted by that. And that was I remember that struck me deeply, like how important that was to you. Yeah. So what do you think culture is so, so important? Like as you think, and culture is obviously a big word. Yeah, for sure. But just in general kind of the... Yeah, I mean, I think to speak to the point of bringing it home, I mean, I think there's a level of boundaries you have to have with any job. Um, You know, one of the unfortunate things about ministry is that there's a deadline every week. It's one of the only jobs where it feels like the minute you show up to work on Monday, there's already a deadline that's six days ahead of you. Sunday's always coming. Sunday's always coming. And what that causes, that always causes this constant sense of I must do, I must do, I must do, I must complete how much push things, like, to get them finished, to get them completed, whatever it may be. And a lot of times that's just a constant, like, anxiety is such an overused term, I feel like, too, in our culture sometimes. Yeah. But it's this constant thing that's always on your mind that always has to get done. And so it's super easy to bring that home and say, oh, my gosh, like, 
hey, I know this dinner tastes great, but hey, can we talk about this? I need to process this idea with you. And me being an idea guy, man, that's a pitfall of a marriage. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, like, you can easily go down, like, 20 minutes, and then you look, and I'm sitting at dinner, and Brent's like, can we just talk about, like, us or life or, you know, whatever. With the dogs? Like um, yeah, whatever it may be. Yeah, specifically going back to that that time uh, where, like, the ch- church culture was very much so, um, like, you don't have boundaries. Hmm. I, was in a, I was in a specific place where they used the term... Um, honor a ton um, and like the word honor being uh, the key reason as to why you do what you do and that um, the culture of that church was it is an honor that you get to do what you do not that you get to be a part of something so you should be extremely grateful that you're getting to work 80 hours this week to get Sunday to happen. And your wife should be appreciative of that. And man, like, what a terrible way to live. <laughs> like, I, I like, like, I get it. Like, man, like, like being a follower of Jesus, like Jesus should be like the first thing on your mind when you wake up in the morning. It should be the thing that you pursue. He should be the person you're talking to. You should allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. Like, I get all of these things. But like, man, we're not robots. You know what I mean? Like, like we're not just like we're not gonna keep doing and doing and doing and doing and feel like we're like excited about it because there's no rest there, hmm. there's no hope there, there's a task there. And if I remember right, you, you used to use the word "I don't feel very valued." Oh yeah. Like there was a, like there was a culture yeah. of honor for like the history of the church. Yeah. But as the employee working your tail off, you didn't feel a ton of value. So the culture, to you, wasn't like super always healthy because of how all that played out right? yeah totally and what's the easiest way for you to feel like you don't matter is to feel like you're not valued and when you give 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 and you don't see anybody even say thank you because because it's an honor culture it's just that's what's expected hmm. and there's a level of like gratefulness that you should have for your ability to do something that's so much bigger than yourself I firmly believe that like before we take this the stage on a Sunday I try to remind our team if I can of like hey this is bigger than us like we're not just doing this to have fun and doing this because we're like oh yeah this was fun to sing or whatever like this is a reason that we get to do this is because it's so much bigger than ourselves and when you take that out of the context of what it was originally intended to be and you're forced to do this thing because you're expected to do it there's no joy in that mm. there's just task in that and expectations of things to get accomplished it's a simple phrase that's kind of overused a lot now but Back in my North Point days, we used to talk about celebrating the win, mm-hmm. but finding the things that are kind of pointing towards the mission vision and then yeah. talking about it, because if not, you get caught up in that. Yeah. Well, I mean, like to that point, one of the reasons that I feel like our staff culture is super healthy right now um, is because every single Monday morning we meet at 915, we pray, we sing worship, and we share stories of what happened on Sunday. because the greatest way to understand the morale and understanding what Jesus is doing is to hear what he's doing in our church and celebrate it together. And so for us, it's an honor to be in that room because we get to stand. It's, it's an honor. Yeah. Uh, to, to sit and, and listen to all the things that are happening. But it's also an extremely grateful reminder that, man, like what I do matters. And even though it may not be directly 
in your ministry. You know, like we may have something that comes out of our care ministry and we could hear a story and we're like, man, that divorce just got like ripped up or whatever that thing may be, right? But what we do as a team comes to the morale of saying, hey, what we did together makes a difference. And that's, that's the honor for me. Not the honor of me doing a task, but the honor of us being a part of a team who's working together under a common vision. Um, as we say to elevate the name of Jesus and put put that into practice and see what Jesus is doing in our churches, that's that's the honor for me. That's cool. And I'll just say this. I've seen that firsthand in you. Like I've seen you come alive and your heart come alive as all that's taken place. It's been cool watching that. Thanks. I, man, I remember, but it's funny. When I, so I worked... Before I worked at a church, I worked for a parachurch ministry, and then I worked mm-hmm. at a church, and now I lead a ministry. But before I worked at the church, I remember thinking, what do church people do all week? Like, you just show up in the office and hang out, and, then, and yeah. then I worked at a church, I'm like, dear Lord, Sunday is always coming, and that's mm-hmm. like a tension to manage of like, man. What don't I do during the week? I, yeah, <laughs> like, I get it now. I didn't get it then. Yeah. That being said, as an idea guy, you're always thinking, and you're always like, I want to make things better. You're always... You're the guy that walks in a room and your brain immediately goes, oh, you know what I want to do? Or I have this idea about yeah. everything. I mean, you're gifted in so many areas, like creatively and, and artistically and musically. So how do you how do you manage that polarity of being a dreamer and that's who God's made you yeah. and deal with the reality of the fact that Sunday's coming every week? How do, how do yeah. you manage that? That's a great question, man. It has a constant tension. Uh, you always use the word that I'm, I have an entrepreneurial spirit. I'm always looking for like the next thing or the next best thing. Um, I was challenged by this thought a little while ago that sometimes my ideas don't have to finish with me. That my idea is like, I may have an idea that, yeah, maybe it is great. That would be awesome. And I'm not trying to be like arrogant here and say that all my ideas are great because they're not all great. Um, But I think there's a level of that where when you feel like your idea is the thing that has to get accomplished, you lose out on the mission as to why it's being done, right? You start putting your pride in front of this idea and the reason why you're doing it. And specifically with Sunday mornings um, or, you know, the fact that, man, like, attorneys could be changed on Sunday mornings. Attorneys could be changed based off of how we interact with our people during the week. Um, And when you get to step in and you get to look at, you know, ideas and throw them on a whiteboard and dream about the potential but know that Sunday's coming you have to take certain things and baby steps to get there and certain things to plan ahead of and whatever and like so for me I've, I've got like two or three little like small things that I do consistently um, and I don't know if I learned this from you or someone else who worked at like North Point I'm not even sure if they still do this but I heard this idea of a 30 60 90 yes um, about 30 days out 60 days yep. out 90 days out and um, for me, I have 30, 60, 90 on blocks on my whiteboard in the office. Because what I do is it's the way my office is set up. That section of my whiteboard is the only part of my whiteboard that I can see in my peripherals when I'm sitting at my desk. The other stuff is like working, right? It's like we're using that whiteboard to draft up ideas and figure out what that needs to be. But for me, if I ever have a second where I'm done shooting out emails or working at PCO or whatever it is, I like sit back and I look at those and I start dreaming about what those things could potentially be. But if it's in that if it's in that 30 day mark, it better be dang good and it better be real easy and super important and super important. Yeah. Um, because the worst thing you want to do, like this whole value idea, right? So um, this is gonna be long winded and I'm very apologetic for it. This is good stuff. Um, listeners, I'm sorry. 
so we do this thing called the LDP program. Um, I say LDP program. It's Leadership Development Program, and then I say program. So it's LD- <laughs> LDPP. P-P-P. I just said PP on the podcast. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do this. Uh, we do a leadership development program in our church. We do huddles every week with um, our protégés. And one thing I talk to them is like the idea that in ministry you ascribe value to everything. You so do. a protégé is somebody who's in the LDP program. That is correct. Uh, it. It's an eleven. It's a twelve month long residency okay, program cool. for ministry. So they're full time employees essentially for mm-hmm. the most part. Um, and then they get to learn and grow from other people on staff. They work in a specific ministry, um, and the hope would be at the end of their first year, they'll either come out and go to a second year part of the program, or they would potentially be help. We would be helping them look for a job um, to work in full time ministry, whether that be at Stone Creek or another church. Um, and so I was in a huddle with them a couple weeks ago, and going back to the whole value conversation. I think this is where my ideas I have to land on that they have value for people is a ministry if you don't ascribe value to things people feel burnt out hmm. so there's this polarity that I always feel as a creative in the church where you have you have two polarities of a creative in the church you have people who go to a church where the church is not creative and they're not able to give their gift so they feel abandoned or you go to a church who needs your creative gift and you feel abused We've talked about this, and that middle is so hard to find. It's so hard to find, and but what what is easy to find is the value that you can give somebody because of what they're doing or how you prepare them for something. And so, for me, like if I'm thinking about an event that's happening at our church, and I've got this idea of how to make this thing different and new and engaging and um, just something that is people are going to want and desire and all of these things. Um, like, I need to make sure that my prep work makes them feel like I, they weren't an afterthought. Because you can create a really, really, really dynamic thing and not have all the pieces in play, and then people are like, what's next? And you go, I haven't developed it yet. <laughs> and can we just like, talk about how awesome this is? Yeah. And, um, and if, you sit in that, if you sit in that tension, uh, people start losing interest. And that's not the goal of you dreaming and making something better and yeah. new and fresh or whatever the thing is. Like The goal is that they feel like, oh man, I have a part to play in this. Man, they really cared about me when I did this or whatever it might be. And so, um, man, I think, I think the tension for me is always I do have a lot of ideas and I do have to put priority on those ideas. Um, and sometimes I just put them on my board and I leave them there for a couple months. And if it feels like in a couple months, there's still something that's like burning in my heart. I'm like, oh, maybe there's something there. It's like a good melody. But you yeah. always have an idea. I know this about you. Like, you always have something. Like, you've gotten mm-hmm. pretty good about learning when and not to share it. Debatable. Ish. <laughs> but you always you always have an idea, and I love yeah. that about you. Though. God's made you that way. It's, yeah, it's, it's a super weird thing. Like, I, that tension you're talking about is a fascinating tension to manage because I think... And, you know, every church kind of does that differently. And that really ultimately is the culture. You can reveal yourself in that. Yeah. It's, it's a really powerful thing. That's cool. I like, yeah, I like the way you shared that. That's really, I think for me, watching you navigate that the last couple of years has been fun. And I think in general, you know, like some church cultures or some leadership cultures, like it's so fascinating because there's, there is the idea person, but they do burn out because at some point if they're not valued to use yeah. your word or it's not you're not bringing people in or giving them a voice and the thing you and i've talked a lot about is the your generation you're still in your 20s yep 
that for me working with some churches there are some leaders in churches who are 50 or 60 who are awesome men of God or leaders or women of God who are doing their best to steward what they do but they didn't grow up with a smartphone in their hand and their brains don't think like your brain thinks and there's a tension to manage there of learning how you operate and how you lead and I think what's great about the position you're in is you understand like the LDP age person like you can you know how their brain works a little bit yeah. and you're in a cool place to be able to yeah to help them and giving them a voice is important like yeah. people in that season of life need to be heard they don't want to just do they want to be a part of for sure right no doubt and i also think going back you said something a second ago that reminded me of this is i think there's also this this tension when you have this idea or you dream about something that you're expecting it to land at 100% the first time you do it and sometimes cultures aren't ready for that mm. Um, and I think when you start coming up with ideas and dreaming about things or whatever, sometimes you don't have to look at what's going to get me from A to C first, but what's the, what's B? Like, there's a reason we named our son Sawyer Gray, and it's because for so long Britt and I lived in this idea that there's only black and white, there's mm-hmm. always a third option. Um, and I think when you start stepping into the idea that sometimes culture takes time to shift like you always used to say this when we worked in student ministries that like a healthy student culture when you have buy-in from people still takes like two years to switch over like it's gonna take some time and just because you want to flip something on its head doesn't mean that it's gonna be perfect the first time through and you also have to pick your battles like i'm not just gonna start throwing ideas to our senior pastor and expecting him to be okay with it when i haven't proven the small stuff and when I can start proving the small stuff, that's when I feel more confident to, to prove the big stuff. And a healthy culture gives you an opportunity to at yeah. least try the small things. Totally. Right. And that's, inviting people into it. So it's not yeah. just your idea where you're group thinking it with yourself, but you're putting people in a room who work in completely different sides of the ministry. Um, we actually have a lady on our staff. Her name's Jane, and she's the, uh, the assistant to Stephen, our senior pastor. And uh, she's a, a mom of students in our church. She represents a demographic of people. While she still has some insider language, she has a demographic. She is, by all intents and purposes, my sounding board for quite a few ideas. Because she lives with them. Because she lives with them. Yeah. Not only that for students, but she she knows her friends who are churchgoers at our church. And so if I can ask someone who's a sounding board of a demographic that I know is going to be affected by this... I feel like I'm going to be set up to win if she feels like it's a good idea. Instead of just assuming... Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much so. Uh, you did good. I set you up there. That was good. You, know, you tried. That's good. You stopped. That was good. Yep. Proud of you. Proud of you. <laughs> well, hey, on that note, how do you... The creative process for, for a Sunday morning, you're responsible for a lot of the creative aspects of what happens at your yep. church on Sunday morning. Yeah. How do you even small things, like how do you go about um, picking songs? Like give a little insight into the fact of hey, we're doing this series, or hey, these are the songs that we feel like are appropriate for our audience at this time. So, so for you, how do you go about picking the songs that you guys play on Sundays? Yeah. Um, I think it depends upon... Um, I think it depends upon what we're talking about and what kind of season we're in as a church. Um, you know, oftentimes church has this, like, at the beginning of a year, like literally at the beginning of January, February, March... You're starting to prep people for Easter, or you're coming out with some big vision piece for the entire year. So sometimes you're not thinking content for Sunday, you're thinking content for church vision. 
Um, but in our current season right now, we're gearing up to kind of go into so Christmas we're in fall time. right now. Yeah, so we're in fall. So going into the Christmas season, for example, um, you know, we've had a vision for the entire year. I feel like we've started to really see that take shape. I don't know that my worship sets need to revolve around that. They need to revolve around hammering home some idea, right? So, like, this Sunday was a perfect example. We talked about the idea of fear. We're in a series called Life Bombs. About certain things in our life that if we don't take care of can destroy our life. And so the idea of the this, um, this life bomb of fear. And so we talked about a lot of the idea um, through our worship songs about fear, but not in a cheesy way. Like, we're not just only going to choose songs that have the word fear in them, but have some sort of story arc over the day to get people to some truth that we're hoping for them to see by the end of the message. We don't always do response songs at the end of a message, so that means that I have to sometimes shape and story arc kind of the message of worship throughout that entire time. And a lot of times we'll start with an up-tempo song at the beginning to get people engaged and excited to be there. It's Sunday morning, especially when Georgia football loses. Mm. And I know, I went there, sorry. And, uh, and it's raining outside. Like you don't need a somber song to get people there. That that's gonna that's gonna help their complacent mood, <laughs> you know. Um, and so I think there's a level of picking a song that has energy and excitement and truths that are celebra- celebratory in a way of like thankfulness or victory or whatever those things are um, to get people excited, clapping, moving, whatever the thing may be. And in the process of all of that, creating a story arc with the themes of the message. Um, for that day, so we typically choose songs a lot like that. That's cool. Yeah. So, so is that the kind of thing where you talk to the pastor and you're like, you know, how far out is that? Like every week you talk to the pastor and say, give me an idea of what's going on on Sunday, or the creative team who's working on the content, or yeah, I'm a planner by nature, um, and when it comes to worship. I believe a lot of times that the songs that we change during the week oftentimes are the things that make the most impact on that Sunday. Um, so if I I will sketch out songs three weeks out when I'm looking at the generic theme of that Sunday. Our speakers are typically coming with their final message that Tuesday of where they're kind of landing and looking for last minute critique. We're a really collaborative culture. So Tuesdays at 2.30 we sit down And the pastor literally will walk through the message and ask people their opinions. Um, And if we feel like there's something missing, we will speak into that, which is really cool. Mm. Speaking to that healthy staff culture, right? This idea of, like, my pride isn't too big for me to ask for help or to make sure that whole idea of talking to Jane, that I'm not missing someone, right? That it's actually going to hit the target demographic. And so every Tuesday we finalize everything for Sunday. Um, but oftentimes Tuesdays we will change a song for Sunday or a couple songs for Sunday. Um, and then sometimes on Sunday mornings we may throw an audible. And like this Sunday, uh, we threw an audible for a specific reason. My guitar string broke in the middle of a song that was heavy acoustic guitar at the beginning. Um, and it broke on the last chorus of the song before it, which was great. Um, <laughs> and so uh, we actually ended up playing the song. Uh, it's called Stand in Your Love. Um, it's off, off one of the Bethel records and we played it and it was like okay in 9.30 but there was no acoustic guitar and it's got like a little folky feel to it and um, and so we ended up playing that as a response song instead of another in the fire and 
it went over so well that we did the exact same thing second service because we felt like the lyrics in that song connected so well to the message mm. that it painted this picture for people to connect the message to worship and take that with them during the week and so um, yeah man it, it, uh, typically every week we will get together and do that on a Tuesday um, and spend some time figuring out what needs to be done mm-hmm. um, if any of the dudes who were in Patrick's group are listening to this we are currently watching Wheel of Fortune, by the way, while we're talking. So. Yeah, and Jason is smiling at me when he knows the puzzle yeah, is done. Yeah, it's a thing. Sorry, I'll tell that story one day. That'll be another podcast at some point. Um, if any of you have a connection to get Jason on Wheel of Fortune. I got the email last week to apply. Did you? I did. Anyway. Well, Lord, we will pray for that. <laughs> um, uh, hey, you, you've worked, last couple months you've released some new songs. You've yep. been working, that's part of your creativity your ideas you're always working on new songs why, why is that important for you to I know you embrace worship in general and you do more than worship you're a creative guy but that's a part of what you do mm-hmm. um, I'd love to just to hear you unpack a little bit of the, why it's important for you to be bringing some new songs to your church yeah um, it's kind of the same thought process as why you choose a church home so when you choose a church home, there's a reason that there's a bunch of different churches that go after a bunch of different demographics of people. Is There's a common vision, a common language, and a common culture that comes with every church, good or bad, whatever that may be. And, man, there's a lot of great worship songs that come out right now, right? Hillsong's releasing a record, it feels like, every other Tuesday. <laughs> and, um, you know, there, there's some really cool stuff coming out of California right now, um, and some churches out there, and, like... Worship will always be an expansive category of music because God has crafted people with different things in their heart and different songs to sing. Um, And in the same way that you find a church home that you resonate with, there's language and culture that comes out of that church that people need to sing and hear about when they're a part of that body specifically. And so we came out of this thing where back in 2018, um, we rebranded our whole church under new vision and values, made it really simple. And what's funny is I came on staff in 2017, and I'll be honest, like I couldn't tell you really what the values were of the church. I could tell you what the vision was, um, but I couldn't tell you what the values were. And when we, we called it a new day. We believed it was a new day for our church. And we were literally released a record this year, three songs, nothing crazy, with three songs that we believed were birthed out of... Birthed? Birthed? Is that the right word? No, it's good. Birthed. Birthed? Did you say birthed? Birthed. They were born yes. out of yes. out of the birth disease. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm asking the guy who needs an editor every time we write something. But that's fine. It's okay. <laughs> I have an editor. Okay. Um, so it came out of this idea of a new day, and that man, we had something different to say. It's something yeah. beautiful, and we had this common vision of why we believed what we believed, and so. Yeah, man, I think I think the same way that you find a church home that resonates with you, like there's music that needs to be birthed out of that church because they have something different to say than a church in Australia. And what's going on in their culture, right? Absolutely. And, you know, we have always dreamed and my deadlines have just never lined up with when we were going to do it. But like creating songs for specific series or specific seasons and, you know, like we're I'm working on this potential idea of what it would look like to have a Christmas song to release this year. But I've got to kind of have that wrapped up in the next couple weeks. Yeah, because we're getting close. Because we're getting close. Um, and, you know... And the Christmas and the, stuff is already at the Costco, so... It's pretty wild, man. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Um, like, Halloween stuff's already getting packed up. Um, and so, yeah, man, I think there's just, like... There's common, like, verbiage. There's common things. And to be honest, worship during the week 
is a tool for people. And it's a weapon for them in their back pocket. And when they firmly believe in a vision of a place, when you give them songs that are born out of that specific church, um, like you give them something to take with them during the week where they can still have that same vision. And, you know, we always say that we want people to live on mission. Um, um, Every day, everywhere on mission is our phrase that we use. And if we can give them songs to remind them of those ideas and the themes that they're learning and, and spark this, um, this like love for Jesus before they walk into the doors of their corporate office on a Tuesday. Imagine how much different the world could be if people were having gospel conversations in their cubicles, you know. And so um, that's kind of our our idea of why we why we think like writing worship songs. We don't have the staff to write two records a year. We just don't. And I don't have the bandwidth to be honest. Um, I don't think that's what's necessary though. Hmm. I think there's enough places and enough people who are writing great music for you to find things that your church needs to grab a hold of. Um, but I do think there's going to be moments where there's going to be times where a church can write a song that's going to impact their people more than anything that Hillsong mm, could write. That's good. Or anything that Elevation could write. Or anything that Influence out of California could write. You know, whatever. Like, there's all these different things. And so, yeah, man, I just think, I think it's a beautiful tool for people in their ministry with the local church. And man, it would be awesome if it if it helped and blew up in the big C church. But that's that's not right. that's not our goal. We don't write music to get rich, because you don't anymore. <laughs> um, uh, we write music because we want it to be a tool for people during the week. Yeah, I love that. I, one of the things that was fun for me when y'all went through that change, I had a very very small part of that. Um, they gave me all of the job descriptions of everyone on staff. Yep. And asked me to rewrite them in the new language, and it was funny. And having, you know, I, I know your church, and I, I love the people at your church. I've been a part of it to a degree, and you some incredible people over there, and I'm a big fan. Um, almost every job description was different, because they yeah. were written at a different time when that person was hired. Yep. And y'all had this thing where we wanted them to be, we wanted some corporate synergy, yeah. or cultural synergy, so we did wanted them all to have the same synergy word. Synergy on a podcast. I did. How about that? Um, synergy. I could spell that, because I watched Will of Fortune. But, um... No, but I, I just love that idea of saying, hey, we're all going to be on the same page. Yeah. So we're all going to have the same job description that has the same language, and it's all going to kind of bleed the same way. And so in the context of expectations or in the context of even what do you do or what do I do, yeah. uh, it's super clear because everyone had the same thing compared to you. your job description was different than mine, and you report to a guy who doesn't work here anymore. And I report, you know, all that stuff yeah. that's this different. I, I love that y'all got that deep in the weeds of the the process of a culture yeah that i thought was really fun so for you on a creative well, part no, go, before go you go to that no, i go think ahead. i think there's a level of that whole ascribing value to people in the way that you do ministry that because we dug so deep into the weeds to do those specific things it's not just the people in our church felt value because we did all of this for them made it easier for them a vision of values but even our staff members felt that way because what we want to do is we said no we're willing to take a deep enough dive to make sure that you have clarity in your role so you know exactly what you're supposed to do and what you're expected to do. And that what that does is that shows them value that we care about them and that they know what they're supposed to get done. Yeah. So, anyways. Now, you know me. I'm, I'm like, super relational, but I, I'm a massive fan of job descriptions. Yeah. And I, I met with a youth pastor a couple years ago who, um, you remember the story, I, we had coffee and he was telling me about this culture of volunteers he had and 
they didn't show up regularly. And they were small group leaders entitled, but they didn't show up. And I, and I was like, did you ever give them, like, direction? Like, hey, here's what I'm asking you to do. Like, yeah. even, like, give them, like, a job description. And, and he looked at me like I just built a nuclear bomb. He's like, what? I'm like, I'm not that smart, man. <laughs> but when it makes sense to have everybody on the same page, and it gives expectations for you for, as a Absolutely. staff member... Of here's what I'm going to do for you. Here's how you yeah. can hold me accountable. And here's, and um, that was a funny journey with him working through that. But um, so for you, I mean, again, just to kind of wrap up the culture idea, yeah. um, is someone who loves ideas. You love dreaming. You love your team. You love your church, and you understand and have your pulse on for sure. Um, what is for you? Uh, and this is not a loaded question. So, uh, but but I'd love for you just to process. What is for you, like, when you see something, what's a red flag for the culture? Like, what's the thing that makes you go, ooh, I need to talk about that? Is an idea guy that's always dreaming and you're learning how to say things and how to not to say things or whatever, but what is something culturally that makes you go, ooh, I care enough about this where I need to bring this up? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. It's um, a great question. Can I answer that from two perspectives? Yeah, totally. I'll answer it from, like, a staff perspective, mm-hmm. um, and then I'll answer it from a church perspective. Because I think they bleed into each other. But there'll be different answers. <laughs> um, so from a staff perspective, you can work your tail off to create some level of culture in your staff where trust is a massive thing. Where you feel like you're a part of family. Um, but when trust starts getting broken inside of staff, that feels like a team isn't working together. So that's a red flag. That's a red flag for me. When people start working in silos, that's an issue for me. I'm a really big collaborative person. I don't do a project without asking like nine people. That's kind of annoying to other people. And I get that. <laughs> but at the same time, like I want to make sure everyone knows what's going on and they're in the loop because that's the worst. We've all been in a situation where we've heard people talking or something gets announced and we're like, wait, what's happening? You don't know that? They're expecting me to answer that from volunteers or like congregation. Like what? What's happening? You know? Um, and I think when you start working in silos, there's a level of, um, there's a level of like just um, disunity that happens across the staff, um, which will cause a bunch of um, discord. Is that the right word? Mm-hmm. Uh, Wheel of Fortune guy. Um, <laughs> uh, like like just a, a bunch of like a divide inside of the culture, and so that's a red flag for me. Um, and then we all know like so church as a like church culture holistic um man there's there's gonna be seasons where it's gonna feel like there's not a buzz happening in your church right does that make sense yes like 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 there's no momentum momentum's a good word for it yeah like there's no momentum maybe we're um doing something and we hit this like all-time record of like maybe it's attendance maybe it's amount of people getting baptized in a year maybe it's the amount of hands getting raised at the end of a service for like when a gospel is presented like there's gonna be certain moments where like man there's some stuff happening here hmm. um and to me there's sometimes a really if if you have enough people inside of your church culture who understand what's happening in those moments when there's a dip in that the red flag to me is when those people aren't talking the way they talked before Right? You have key people in your church who are going to help you keep the momentum going. And when you don't have people who are excited about what's happening, we don't have people who feel like there's momentum going, we don't feel like you're equipping people with this energy of, man, how cool is it? 
you know, or man, did you hear about this story or whatever the thing may be, when there's a lack of like momentum happening in a church, I think that's a red flag to me because what that can start doing is that can start asking, like having people ask questions that can get people not excited about what's going on. Um, uh, sometimes that happens because of lack of clarity or whatever the thing may be. Um, but to me, I think like a level of, of lack of momentum with like some of your key people, um, that's a red flag to me. Cool. That's good. That's really good stuff, man. So for you, uh, you know, I was going to ask this question cause you heard me talk about it for way too many years now, but, um, for you in this season of life, especially knowing you've got a son coming and this opportunity you've been trusted with at church and at home. What comes to mind to you? You know, I talk about legacy all the time. Mm-hmm. I lead a ministry called Legacy Now. That's just it's the, my word that I love to use sure. and ask people about. So, yeah. for you, what when you think about legacy, what comes to mind to you? Yeah, my grandfather would be the first thing that comes to my mind. Uh, Why? Man, he was one of those guys who just, like, I feel like I got, like, my dad has a really good, pretty good work ethic. My grandfather had a work ethic that was, like, unlike anyone um like he was he always said he would you know he'd work till he was 80 or 85 or whatever and um you know he basically stopped working he was like 81 and then like the next year got diagnosed with some issues and then started having heart attacks and passed away a couple years later i just think it's a testament to like him he was like no i'm gonna finish my race well i'm gonna keep doing what i told myself i was gonna do i'm gonna help people when i can help people um you know, I think when it comes to the fact that, you know, man, like, our family's starting next year in a way that it, it hasn't been in the last three years. And, man, if there's, like, this, um, and this is this is speaking from, like, a pretty deep place, too. But I think the love of a father, grandfather, some male figure in your life, if you can if you can instill some level of um, love that goes beyond conditions and like everyone always says millennials just want to like climb to the top of the ladder and like skip all the steps in between whatever that thing may be um you know, I think I think when I think about legacy, I think about instilling in my son, instilling in the people who I work, who work underneath me, people who I work for, the congregation that I get to shepherd as like the worship guy. Like when I think of all those things, man, I just want people to know that like I love the Lord with my whole heart, and I believe that He had great for me. I believe that He still does, and He always will, regardless of circumstance. But I also need to take action, too. Hmm. Uh, Because legacy is an action word. Yeah, absolutely. It's not something where you sit passively and just wait for things to happen or just hope that things will happen. But it's it's it. Like, I think about my grandfather. Like, he he made stuff happen. He was not a pastor at a a megachurch. He was not a pastor at a church of, you know, even 400 people. I mean, they had attendance of... 80 people. It was a small church. I mean, he was faithful to those people and loved them well. And he did everything that he could to take care of them and be there for them. And man, I want to be that for my wife. I want to be that for, be that for my son, maybe my daughter, whatever, whoever comes next, you know? Um, and for my family as a whole. 
mm-hmm. my in-laws included. Um, I mean, when I, I when I think about legacy, I just think about people who have made a lasting impact on myself. I mean, you're a guy who who will have a legacy forever in the way that you have led young men to be followers of Christ and the way that you've uh, created a place just like this in which guys can come and whether it's they're weeping or they're pumped, like there's a place for them. There's a seat at the table. and uh, We've had a little bit of both back here, haven't we? We have. There's been a few of those. Yes. And I just think, man, I think about, um, <laughs> you know, you think about when Jesus, after he resurrects, he shows himself. And in the process of showing himself, there's a level of legacy that he leaves with them that causes them to take a mantle and run with it. That because of what they've seen, what they've witnessed over the course of their time walking with him, that they know that this story is not ending with them. And I think when, when you think about your life, what what is it? What is that thing that you're leaving people with? And, uh, man, I want to leave people with the idea that I worked hard, that I love my family, and I love the people around me well, and I wasn't afraid to help people when they needed it. Um, and so, there you go. That's, it. That's cool. I, I won't get into the awkward part, but I, for me, honestly, as I think about the last 27 years of ministry, like one of my highlights for sure was you invited me into a part of your wedding story and to be able to walk through that with you and Brandon to celebrate that. And there were some challenges along the way. <laughs> Yeah. And to watch how you uh, maturely navigated, not always easy stuff. Sure. And honored her and honored your family and honored some things that weren't always easy to honor in the middle of that. I just, uh, I just, there's a lot of parts of that journey of the wedding that have stuck with me. And watching you as a man and knowing you as a boy and knowing you as a man like it's really cool man i'm so proud i told you this a lot i'm not telling myself you haven't already told you but i'm so proud of watching how god is using you and i know you're not a perfect person and we all have our junk but yeah um, it's been really cool watching you uh wrestle and grow and and be the man god's called you to be yeah thanks man if someone wanted to connect with you how would they connect with you so I i know you're all over the social media not at all i actually like have disabled my instagram account um. Yeah. Honestly, email, mm-hmm. phone number, whatever the thing is. I'll throw email out there if you want to. Yeah. Sure. Um. Leave my work email because that's probably the easiest. In my I don't life. know if anybody would want to, but you said some cool things. Yeah. Somebody might want hey, to talk. Hey, maybe I'm not afraid to sit down for coffee. I'm a coffee snob, just like the J car. Mm-hmm. Uh. So it's P Casey P C A S E Y at Stone Creek Church dot org. Awesome. Well, brother, thanks for being here today. Yeah, Loved man. it. Glad to. Cool to thanks hang out. Me. Appreciate it. Thanks for being on the porch. Yeah, man.